This one's for the Care Bears out there. I don't often do builds that are focused solely on support and healing, but today I wanted to show you guys what I think is the best healer you can possibly build in D&D 5e. Welcome to D4. Hey everybody, so here at D4, each week we take deep dives into character builds for our favorite role-playing games. I like to crunch numbers about them, theorycraft about them, not so that I can tell you the right way or the best way to play a character, but to explore one potential way to build something with the hopes of creating a character that is both really powerful to play, but also really fun. So if you enjoy creating characters for your role-playing games, almost as much as you enjoy playing the actual game itself, or if you're just looking for tips or ideas on how to build something that you're thinking about playing, then welcome home. This is where you belong. It really is. And I'm so glad you're here. So thanks for being here. My name's Colby. I put out uh, build videos every Tuesday. So if you like what you see, I hope you'll consider joining the channel as a member. There's a little button down there that says join. If you click it, it tells you about all of the potential perks you can get for just a couple, three bucks a month, access to the library of write-ups that I create for these builds to help you recreate them yourself a little more easily, access to our Discord server, and even our monthly hangout Q&A sessions, which are always a lot of fun. A huge shout out and thank you to my channel members. I could not do this without you guys. You're amazing. And everybody else, you're also amazing. Being here, watching, liking, subscribing, commenting are also great ways to support the channel. You don't have to be a member if you don't want to or don't feel like you can afford it. So thanks for being here. Right. So out of the 150 plus builds that I've done to date for D&D 5e, there have really only been three or four, I think, that are just kind of built to heal above all else. The uh, Lore Bard Healer, the first of the bunch, and one that I think is really a great build still, honestly. Uh, there's the Twilight Cleric build, but I mean, that's basically cheating, so meh. And besides, giving out temporary hit points isn't really the same thing as healing, so maybe we should just disqualify that one from the group anyways. Then there's the uh, Combat Medic, which I really loved, actually, as they were focused on doing anything but casting spells to heal, so it was pretty unique. And then there is my favorite of them all, and probably the least well-known one, actually, the, uh, the Martyr build, aka the mom, who was focused on healing but only with the life transference spell. There are plenty of other support builds that I've done to date, but I think that those four are the only ones where I was just like, let's maximize healing and sort of ignore everything else. Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> and I mean, sure, there's a reason why you don't just see a lot of pure or dedicated healers in 5e, right? For one, I'm not sure it's a playstyle that a majority of people would want to play. Sometimes just sitting back and healing allies can feel a little boring for some people. But also, as we've often discussed on the channel, D&D 5e isn't really made to be a game where it's all that possible or effective to try to just sit back and keep your allies all at full health throughout a combat encounter, let alone several combat encounters in a given day, right? In 5e, it tends to be a lot more efficient to do what you can to avoid taking damage in the first place, bounce a fallen companion back up from being unconscious with a low-level healing word or something, and otherwise just try to kill your enemies before they kill you, saving healing back up to full health for in-between combat encounters with short rests and things, right? But... It would appear that Wizards of the Coast are making some changes to healing spells for the new version of the Player's Handbook coming out later in 2024. Essentially, they're buffing most of the healing spells in-game significantly. At least, that's how it is in the most recent playtest at the time of this recording. Cure Wounds and Healing Word heal for almost 
double the amount, uh, both at base level and as they scale. And most other heal spells are getting significant boosts as well. For me, this kind of begs the question, why? Maybe it's just because they want heal spells to feel more powerful. But I have a sneaking suspicion that there may be something larger at play here. I can't help but wonder if they're not planning on increasing monster deadliness, or maybe making it so that when you're reduced to zero hit points, it's more painful as a player, in order to prevent the kind of yo-yoing that often happens in 5e currently, where a player goes down, then gets bounced up with a healing word, takes their turn, goes down again, gets bounced up again, rinse, repeat, right? It makes for some kind of wonky gameplay, I think, and can sort of shatter immersion for some people, myself included. Personally, I'd love to see them retune some mechanics or make staying on your feet really important. And if they do, then yeah, it makes sense to buff healing spells to better prevent you from getting knocked unconscious in the first place, right? With that in mind then, it felt like it might be a good time to finally do a video on a build that's been on my to-do list for literally years. The best healer I can build. Again, this might have a little asterisk assigned to it that says at the bottom in fine print, uh, Twilight Cleric's not included. Because, yeah, the ability they have to just give out what feels like an almost limitless amount of temporary hit points to basically everyone in the party every single round is perhaps a little, maybe a lot, overpowered. But hey, a lot of you can't even play with Twilight Clerics at your table. I know my friend Chris, Triant Monk, bans them from his table fairly regularly. Or maybe you just refuse to play a Twilight Cleric on moral grounds. Or maybe you feel like giving out temporary hit points isn't the same as healing anyways, like I said. So screw those guys. So let's sharpen our pencils and figure it out. If for whatever reason, we wanted to make the best healer we could, someone who could conceivably keep their allies topped off health-wise, or nearly so, so that the danger of ever going unconscious in the first place was severely reduced, how would we build it? Well, this is how I would build it, and little spoiler, I think it does a pretty good job of keeping pace even with that arguably OP Twilight Cleric. And so, I proudly present D&D build number 156, the best healer in D&D, parentheses, question mark, parentheses. <laughs> best might be too subjective. It's more like the healiest healer in D&D. How about the heavenly healer or Miracle Max? Universal healthcare. <laughs> Thanks again to the Discord users for those great suggestions, but I think I'm just gonna go here with the ultimate healer. Huge thanks to my friend Randall Hampton for the fantastic artwork he created for this piece. I love it, I love everything that he does, as I know many of you do as well. If you'd be interested in following him on social media to check out the other stuff he's done, or to maybe reach out and try and commission him to create some art for your character, or maybe even your entire party, I will put links in the video description, as always, on how to do so. Thanks, Randall. And of course, we've got to get a word in from today's sponsor, Obvious Mimic, I am so thrilled to have them for the sponsor again this week. Today, we are not talking about their awesome t-shirts, like this one, uh, actually, Owlbear Ridge, wish you were here, but instead about their new solo D&D adventure that releases tomorrow as of the release date of this video anyway, so for most of you it's probably out already, The Crystals of Zaleth. Was game night cancelled? Are you the forever DM? Or do you just want to test one of the characters that like, I've made on this channel or that you've made yourself in a D&D game? Well, guess what? Now you can without help from anyone. Obvious Mimic makes D&D 5e solo adventures for anyone who wants to play more but might not always have people to play with or could use a break from people for that matter. 
after the holidays, right? The Wolves of Langston was Obvious Mimic's first murder mystery solo adventure, which I've talked about, it's so cool, and is still available for purchase, by the way. But now they have their second. It smashed their Kickstarter funding goal this fall and is ready for release, and yes, it's called The Crystals of Zleth. It is a classic adventure of exploration, discovery, and survival where you uncover the mysteries of a hidden city and hopefully live to tell the tale. So take your own path through an interactive story designed to replicate tabletop gameplay where your decisions have consequences. Fight monsters, cast spells, and find treasure with an original story with real stakes. Make progress with loot and experience that you could even keep in a regular tabletop game if your DM allows it, of course. And play all those character builds that especially as a viewer of my channel, I know you've been dying to take for a test drive. So please, you guys, go check out Crystals of Zaleth at the website that I've linked in the video description. That's how they know that I've sent you. And also, if you use the discount code Colby Solo, <laughs> these guys come up with the best promo codes. <laughs> Um, yes, use that code at checkout and you'll get 10% off crystals in addition to the discounted launch sales price that is already going to be going at launch, right? And even 10% off Wolves of Langston as well if you want to pick that up. So huge thanks to Obvious Mimic. You guys rock. And let's jump into the build. All right, at level one for our starting class, surprising probably no one, we are going to start out as a cleric. Actually, wait, this is me we're talking about. I'm probably surprising everybody that I'm not starting fighter here. <laughs> I was actually tempted, by the way, but mostly for constitution saving throw proficiency, in which case you might want to go artificer or sorcerer for this build as opposed to fighter. But actually, you know what? The interception or defensive fighting style wouldn't have been too bad either. But no, no fighters today. I'm sick of fighters. <laughs> we are here to heal our companions first and foremost, and so need to get started on those important healing things right away. As for our race, we're gonna go with bum, 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 the ASMR. Uh, is this the first time that I've flat out just recommended ASMR above all others for a build? I think it might be. They, they've gotten like honorable mentions in the past. I don't know. Let me know if you can think of one that I that I did in the past. But anyway, yeah, that's a little crazy because I actually really love ASMRs. But there are a lot of good options for race here. Halfling is fantastic. Mark of Healing Halfling, if you can get it, maybe even for thematic purposes, if nothing else. Um, plus the Halfling luck that you get. And then if you take Bountiful luck as a feat, you can share that with your friends. It's a great support option, I think, especially. I love Hobgoblin here for their help as a bonus action thing and the ability to give temporary hit points. And sure, even custom lineage, of course, is great. It's almost what I took, actually. Not only could you get a free feat that way, which there are a couple of feats that I really want here, but also the ability to potentially start with an 18 wisdom. But if I'm truly trying to maximize the healing that my character can do over the course of a given day, and I'm trying to get as many healing resources as I possibly can, then yeah, I think ASMR is actually the way to go here. Not for the Celestial Revelation feature that they get, which is admittedly super cool, letting you once per day use a bonus action to transform into like a scary ASMR or a radiant one, potentially causing fear or doing damage or even flying. But no, I'm here for the healing hands feature, which tells us that once per day, we can touch a creature and heal them for a number of d4s equal to our proficiency bonus. It's not a ton of healing, but it's a unique uh, built-in like racial heal that I'd love to have in my healer's kit, as it were. And we will be getting a way to potentially make it even better later on. Stay tuned. As for our ability scores, I assume we go the point by method as always and say, let's take a 15 wisdom and then a plus two from our racial there, a 15 constitution, and 
and a plus one there, and then a 14 charisma, and probably just a 12 dexterity. Now, that 12 dexterity is a little troubling. We are going to have heavy armor proficiency, so you might be able to just dump dexterity. And I think as a healer, we'd almost prefer to go last in initiative because if we go first, well, we've got nothing to heal, right? And we're not planning on controlling or doing Nova damage or anything with this build. Not that we couldn't. But the problem with heavy armor, of course, is that we're not going to have the strength to wear it without suffering a 10-foot move speed penalty. Usually, if I'm not a melee damage dealer, I don't worry too much about move speed, but plenty of our healing abilities and spells are going to require touch, so it's not an easy decision. We also aren't going to need that 14 charisma until very late game, so if I were playing this character until only like 13, 14, or less, I'd probably get that dexterity to 14 here instead of charisma to benefit my medium armor a little more, and then for, and then forget about heavy armor, at least until like you got some mithril plate or something. But I'm going to take a 14 charisma, and thus I think I'd rather miss out on a little bit of AC than have to deal with a 20 foot move speed on this character you decide for yourself. For our equipment, I'm going to say let's go the gold buy method and pick up some scale mail and a shield, and that's really all we need other than, you know, if you want to get an explorer's pack and a holy symbol, right? I don't think I'd plan on using weapons with this build, just cantrips if we need to do some damage. Clerics then get their subclass right at level one, their divine domain, and we are going to go with, of course, life. That supreme healing subclass for clericdom. Get out of here, Twilight Cleric. <laughs> No, I'm not going to hold your beer. You're not a healer. You're just an overpowered temporary hit point windbag. Anyways, yes, as a life cleric, we get heavy armor proficiency. Like I said, and I think I would pass on heavy armor here unless I could get some mithril or much later when I get another way to deliver... Uh, touch spells from a distance. But the main reason that we wanted uh, Life Cleric, of course, is because of the Disciple of Life feature, which tells us that whenever we use a spell of first level or higher to heal a creature, they regain additional hit points equal to two plus the spell's level. The wording of this feature here is important. It doesn't specify a single target, meaning that if the spell can potentially heal multiple targets, then every target would receive the bonus healing. Two plus the spell's level might not seem like a lot, but if healing word at this level would typically heal five and a half hit points on average, this would add three to that, which is more than a 50% increase. Not bad. And it has a bit of scaling to go along with it as well. So yeah, not bad at all. Speaking of the spells we should grab here at Cleric 1, Life Clerics get many of the best healing and support spells for free. At this level, that means Bless, one of the best buffs in game, and Cure Wounds. And while Cure Wounds sort of loses out in the popularity contest between themselves and their younger sister, uh, Healing Word, which benefits from being able to be cast as a bonus action and from range, the fact that it heals for 1d8 plus spellcasting modifier rather than Healing Word's d4 means that it will be our most efficient single target heal, at least for quite some time. And with the scaling that it receives of a d8 per spell level, as opposed to the d4, and some ways that we potentially could buff it, not just with Disciple of Life, it actually will be a pretty decent heal spell for us. Besides, before too long, we're actually going to have a dedicated thing to be using our bonus action for anyways. At one note, at the time of this recording, the playtest material for the new Player's Handbook out later this year has Cure Wounds doing 2d8 plus spellcasting modifier and scaling by 2d8 per spell level that you upcast it. That makes it kind of a decent amount more than the 2d4 of Healing Word, right? And again, they're 
potentially will be a way for us to improve it even further, making it that much better. So if you happen to be watching this post the new player's handbook release and those proposed spell changes have stuck, congratulations, this build is even better now. At level two, all clerics get channel divinity, which they can use once per short rest to do one of three things. Turn undead, which lets you spend an action to essentially force all undead within 30 feet of you to make a wisdom saving throw or spend the next minute just running away from you. Harness divine power, which lets us recover spent spell slots equal to half of our proficiency bonus rounded up, though at the moment we can only do that once per day. And then unique to life clerics, we get preserve life, which tells us that with an action, we can restore a number of hit points equal to five times our cleric level to creatures within 30 feet of us. That seems like a lot, but it's not like an AoE heal or anything. We get 10 hit points of healing and can just divide those 10 as we see fit amongst our allies, right? The worst part about this, though, is that the healing can't restore a creature to more than half of its hit points. So it's really only something to use when our ally is getting low or has maybe gone down. I'm not quite sure why they put that restriction on it, to be honest. It's kind of like they're actively encouraging us to just wait until our ally drops first. Still, if you've got multiple allies down or low, it's going to be an especially nice way to bring them back or to keep them from going down. Probably the only like multi-target heal available for any character at just level two, I think. No, throwing a potion of healing on the ground next to two allies does not work in this game. Nice try, BG3 fans. Take a drink. At level three, we get second level cleric spells. Life clerics get great ones for free. Again, spiritual weapon is kind of the cleric's go-to bonus action spell, right? Letting you summon an ephemeral weapon that can move 20 feet and attack all with your bonus action. And best of all, it lasts for a minute, but doesn't require concentration. It uses your spell modifier both to hit and to damage, doing a d8 of damage as well, and that increases by another d8 for every two levels that you upcast it, so not again until a fourth level spell slot. It's a good spell. I'm not going to assume that we're using it, because I'm going to try calculating how much healing we could do if we just blew all of our resources on healing, right? I'm not saying that you should do that. If I were playing this build in game, I'd probably be busting out spiritual weapon once in a while and think you probably should as well. Anyways, we also get lesser restoration for free here if we need to cure the blind, deaf, paralyzed, or poisoned condition. No good healer should ever leave home without it, I think. Beyond that, though, be sure to grab aid. It heals and increases max hit points of three party members by five, plus five more for every level that you upcast it, and that kind of scaling is just really, really nice. And it's also super annoying that it only works on three people. <laughs> Come on, wizards. Why are you making me play favorites among my party members? Oh, and it doesn't require concentration, but lasts a frustrating eight hours, so make sure you keep your sundials or hourglasses handy. <laughs> Can you guys tell that I'm getting spoiled by Baldur's Gate 3? I feel a lot more nitpicky than I used to about stuff like this. Anyways, the other spells to consider here are, I think, maybe Prayer of Healing. It's our first multi-target heal spell available. It's not great, but it's 2d8 plus wisdom to everyone in our party, potentially. Though, with a 10-minute casting time, it's really only usable outside of combat, right? Good to have if multiple people are super low and you either don't have time for a short rest or you're all out of hit dice. But then, yeah, I love Warding Bond. It's not a heal spell, but it's a fantastic protection spell, basically letting you increase an ally's armor class and saving throws by one, and then like having you split the damage with them anytime they take damage, right? Not fantastic for our own survivability, but can do wonderful things for a squishy or oft-targeted ally. And I mean, we're actually going to have a fantastic way to 
heal back any of that damage that we're taking before too much longer. So I think on this build especially, it's a really good spell to be packing. No concentration either. But yeah, only lasts an hour. Grumble. I just wrote grumble in the script. What? What? What happened? At level four, we get our first ability score increase or feat, and I want to go with, uh, this might surprise some of you, I'm guessing, maybe not, the healer feat. Yeah, it's really good if you want to heal, even if you already have heal spells. In fact, it's potentially better if you have heal spells, as we'll see in a second. Anyways, the feat has a couple of nice features. First of all, it says that when we use a healer's kit to stabilize a dying creature, something that anyone in the game can do, by the way, I think we forget this sometimes, I know I do, a healer's kit lets you forego the medicine check that you usually have to make to stabilize a dying creature. Again, something anyone can do, and instead, with this kit, just automatically stabilizes them, right? Anyways, with this feat, when we do that, we also restore one hit point to them, which is pretty great, since usually if someone gets stabilized, they stay at zero hit points for a while. This lets us get them back into the fight if we're out of spell slots and channel divinity and racial healing uses, right? Best of all, though, once per ally per short rest, we can use an action to restore 1d6 plus 4 plus their character level with a healer's kit. That's really nice, and it makes sense that they would limit it to once per character per short rest, I think, because otherwise it might be over. Overpowered. At this level, with a second level spell slot, Cure Wounds is going to heal 2d8 plus 3 for us, or 12 hit points on average. With a healer's kit, we could heal 1d6 plus 8, or 11.5 on average. Basically the same. Now, granted, since we're a life cleric, Cure Wounds heals for even more than that, but instead of spending a precious spell slot, we could simply spend a use of a healer's kit, which only costs 5 gold and have 10 charges each. Not bad at all. And it could potentially be even better. Because at level 5, things start to get really good for us. Not because of the destroy undead feature that clerics get here, letting us just outright explode any undead of CR 1 half or lower who fail their save against our turn undead, but because of third level spells. So life clerics get revivify for free, which is great in case a party member actually dies, though it's hard to imagine with this character in your party, but it could happen. The other spell we get for free here is one of my favorites for healers, Beacon of Hope. It requires an action and our concentration and lasts for a minute, but thereafter, any creature of our choice within 30 feet of us has advantage on wisdom saving throws and death saving throws, nice, and then also regains the maximum number of hit points possible from any healing. That's right, any healing, not just spells. So if we've got this active and we cast Cure Wounds at, I mean, let's say the third level now, it would heal for not 3d8, but just 24, plus our Wisdom modifier, plus 2, plus 3, thanks to Disciple of Life, for just a flat 32 hit points. That's like the majority of most of our party members' hit points at this level, right? But if we didn't want to spend a spell slot, we could just use our healer's kit for 15 flat healing, at least once per character per short rest. Not too shabby. And even our ASMR heal, right, would be 12 flat healing right now. It's pretty good. That said, since we are a life cleric, 
I think Aura of Vitality is probably our go-to spell here for concentration. I love this spell. Usually, I love it more for out-of-combat healing than in-combat healing, but if we're wanting to be the best healer ever, trying to keep our allies hale and whole even during combat, this spell is fantastic, especially for us. We cast it as an action, it requires our concentration, but thereafter, for one minute, it lets us heal anyone within 30 feet of us for 2d6 hit points as a bonus action. Now, you don't add your wisdom modifier or anything to that healing, unfortunately, but as a life cleric, we should be able to add our Disciple of Life bonus to almost double the healing amount from this spell since Disciple of Life tells us that we get to add the extra healing whenever we use a spell of first level or higher to heal, not as some of the other features say, one of which we'll talk about in a minute, when we cast a spell to heal. And that's important. When we use our bonus action to heal via Aura of Vitality, we're clearly using the spell. And so the healing we give with Aura of Life should add our Disciple of Life bonus every single time. That is really fantastic, especially since it would always leave our action available to use a healer's kit or cast another spell if need be, or our ASMR racial heal, or our channel divinity heal. And yeah, as I've talked about before, it's also a great out of combat spell to use too, since we could just spend one minute healing, well, what would be 120 total hit points on average, divided up amongst whoever we wanted to in our group. No one is going to need to spend hit dice if we're around and have a minute to spare and a third level spell slot to burn anyways. Anyways, there are other great spells to consider here as well, no question. I'm gonna say no to mass healing word, I think. It's not horrendous to have for most healers, just to have in case multiple party members are down and you want to bring them all up at once. But as a life cleric, we've got our Preserve Life Channel Divinity, so I'm gonna say skip Mass Healing Word. But Motivational Speech can be a fairly efficient and fun spell to give uh, your entire party temporary hit points before a battle. And I mean, one of the cleric's best spells in game, Spirit Guardians, is just right there, right? If you want to do some nice, consistent damage to multiple enemies every round just by getting close to them, this, along with Spiritual Weapon, are kind of cleric staples to help them do some decent damage while still trying to play support, right? Feel free to take and use Spirit Guardians if you think you're good on the healing front. At level 6, as a life cleric, we get the really fantastic Blessed Healer feature, which tells us that when we cast a spell of first level or higher to heal someone other than ourselves, we also regain hit points equal to 2 plus the spell's level. And yes, that's different than use, right? Meaning we'd only get that healing right when we cast the spell, yeah? But again, as I've kind of said, this feature makes me feel like we should just be using Warding Bond like all the time now. Put it on the character who is most likely to be taking a lot of damage, let them get hit slightly less often as a result, and make their saves slightly more often, but then even though you take damage when they do, you also recover health when you heal them, and anyone else for that matter. You're just a wellspring of health and wellness right now. Also at this level, clerics now get to use Channel Divinity twice per short rest, and that felt pretty important for me to get to this point, since, I mean, Preserve Life would let us heal for 30 total hit points when we used it now, and doubling that amount if and when we needed to per short rest, right, feels awesome. Okay, so typically at level 6, I do a damage report, right? And yeah, it's a little wonky when we're talking just healers. A healing report? So let's just pretend that over the course of an adventuring day, you have three combat encounters with two short rests. 
I know that's not how it is at every table, nor every single day, but I think it's probably about what most of us experience most of the time. I know that's not what they recommend in the DMG, so yeah, results may vary. Anyways, with three third level spell slots, that would give us a use of Aura of Vitality for each encounter at this level, plus two uses of Channel Divinity, though admittedly they can only restore party members to up to half of their hit points. I guess I'm just going to assume that people are getting really low fairly regularly. These are some tough fights. And then we've got a use of a healer's kit per party member for each encounter. Let's assume there's four party members, including you. In addition, you'd have three second level spell slots and four first level spell slots to use throughout the day for, let's assume, cure wounds, as it would be our otherwise most efficient single target heal. We've got our ASMR racial heal once per day, and then let's also pretend that every time you heal a party member with a spell, you actually need the healing that you automatically receive yourself from Blessed Healer because everyone's just getting totally thrashed, I guess. If we totaled all of that up, for each of the three encounters, we'd have 10 rounds of healing from Aura of Vitality for 120 total healing on average, four uses of our healer's kit that would do 4d6 plus 4d total, and our two channel divinity uses that would heal for a flat 60. And that's like per short rest, right? Even if you're having more than three combat encounters per day, I think it's pretty safe to assume we're getting a couple short rests, especially if we're having a lot more than three combat encounters a day. So yeah, we're getting that healing as long as we're getting a couple short rests in a day. Assuming we just blew every remaining spell slot on Cure Wounds, it would be 90 points of healing there on average, and 3d4 of healing from our ASMR's healing hands, and finally the self-healing that we would receive from all of those spell slots would be another 39, assuming we actually needed the hit points. Add it all up, and we would get 839 total hit points of healing over the course of the adventuring day. It would be less than that if we had fewer short rests, but more if we had more, right? And yeah, sometimes we'd have to stretch that number over more combat encounters, but that is a ton of healing. That's probably, what, like four times your party's total hit point pool at this point in the game? There's almost no way that you would need to actually do all of that healing, of course. So, yeah, feel free to bust out your spiritual weapon and maybe even your spirit guardians because your allies are going to be just fine with you tagging along. But... At level 7, with I think our most important cleric features under our belt, I want to do a little multiclassing to stretch that healing even a smidge further. The natural place to go, of course, is Druid. So, at Druid 1, we would get Druidic first up, which lets you like leave messages in the wild uh, with twigs and leaves and things that other people can interpret if they speak Druidic. And then we get Druid spells. And I'd probably grab Shillelagh here, which would let us make attacks using our staff uh, with wisdom, right, instead of st our strength modifier. It might be nice if we have a really great magical staff, I guess, especially though, of course, our cantrips have scaled by now, so it might do just as much or maybe even more damage with the cantrips, depending on your weapon. And then there's uh, Absorb Elements to help you resist elemental damage with your reaction, if need be. Entangle is a decent potential control spell, or Fairy Fire, if we want to give our allies advantage on it attacks, but of course, if you're going to use your concentration for something other than a heal spell, it should probably be Spirit Guardians, or maybe Bless, right? Really, the only must-have spell here, I think, is Goodberry. It's just perfect with Life Cleric, because while it normally only heals one hit point per Goodberry that it creates, still efficient by itself, as you'd get ten of them, right? As a Life Cleric, we should get the Disciple of Life benefit for every one of those berries, meaning that they would each heal for four, or 40 hit points total for a single first level spell. 
Granted, it takes an action to eat one, so it's not particularly great in combat. But out of combat, this is like just as efficient as Aura of Vitality if you take into account the spell slot needed, right? That said, I can see some DMs not allowing you to just ingest 10 good berries in a minute, since supposedly they give enough sustenance for an entire day. Maybe unless you're a hobbit? Mmm, Limbus bread. We've had one, yes. What about second breakfast? It doesn't say you can't do this in the rules, but... I'd double check with your DM, just to be sure. At level 8, we would be a druid 2, and all druids get two uses of wild shape here per short rest, letting us transform into a beast of one quarter challenge rating or lower, but I'm not going to go into details about it otherwise because we are going to be using our wild shape uh, for other things. One option is to use it for wild companion, which basically lets us cast the find familiar spell, and even though it only lasts for an hour for us, unfortunately. I can definitely see us making use of this sometimes, because not only can the familiar take the help action to give advantage to an attacking ally and scout for us, etc., but it can also deliver a spell that we cast that has a range of touch. It requires their reaction, but this might really help us solve the whole you only have 20 feet of move speed if you wear heavy armor thing that we've had to be putting up with all of this time if we've been wearing heavy armor, right? Of course, now that we have druid levels, you might not be able to wear metal armor anyways at your table. I'm not going to get into that whole argument here, no thank you. I cannot wait for the new player's handbook to come out later this year so that whole won't wear metal thing uh, can just go away. In before the old druid lore guards take umbrage. <laughs> And then, yes, we get our druid subclass, our druid circle here, and in case you hadn't predicted it, I want to go with Star's Druid. I actually do think there are, like, two other decent options to consider here if you want to emphasize healing. Shepherd Druid can get that unicorn totem down, and the Dreams Druid has both the coolest subclass name of all druids, I think, but also gets some extra non-spell healing that they can do. But... Both of those are much better with lots of druid levels, and we're just going to take a dip here. So anyways, yes, Star's Druid. And as a Star's Druid, we get a couple of really great features. Star Map, which basically lets us know the Guidance Cantrip, which we already knew, I'd hope, uh, and the Guiding Bolt spell, which we may or may not have, but then we can cast that Guiding Bolt a few times per day without spending a spell slot for it. Sadly, only at the first level, but still not a bad use of our action if we need some damage and there's no healing that needs to be done. The real reason that we're here, of course, is for the starry form feature, which tells us that we can spend a use of our wild shape and a bonus action to transform into one of three luminescent constellation-like forms. The archer is usually my favorite to play with as it lets us make a bonus action ranged attack. The dragon form gives us bonuses to our wisdom and intelligence checks as well as our concentration checks, but challenge is the one that we are here for because it tells us that when we cast a spell using a spell slot to heal, we or another creature that we can see within 30 feet regain additional hit points equal to a d8 plus our wisdom modifier. Ooh, that comes at druid too. So I was wrong when I said earlier that the life cleric's channel divinity is the only multi-target heal available, right? Because this can heal multiple targets, potentially. <clears throat> now, this only works right when you cast the spell, so it's not like you get that bonus with every application of Aura of Vitality or Goodberry or anything, but it's still a solid boost to our heal spells, no question. If only it worked on our healing kits too. <laughs> ah well. It would benefit from Beacon of Hope if you decided to use that instead of Aura of Vitality, but 
I think I still prefer Aura of Vitality, at least as a life cleric. But with that chalice form under our belt, I think we go back to cleric at level 9. You could make the argument that druids have a better spell list than clerics. I might make that argument myself. But if we're prioritizing our healing capabilities above all, I think cleric is the way to go. Both because of the boost we get to our channel divinity from our cleric levels, right? But also because we're pretty close to some really important support and heal spells. So I think I want to prioritize getting to those as quickly as I can at this point. This means that, uh, yeah, we'd be a cleric 7 here. We'd get 4th level spells. And life clerics get guardian of faith for free, which is kind of an okay offensive defensive spell that summons a large spectral guardian to hit stuff that gets close to it situationally useful anyways but then death ward which is fantastic it lasts eight hours doesn't require concentration and lets the person that you cast it on go to one hit point instead of zero the next time they would have gone to zero cast it on yourself jump off a cliff and live to tell the tale. Unless you bounce upon landing and rise in that bounce for 10 feet or higher, and then you'd fall again and take damage <laughs> and die anyways. DMs, you should do this just one time to mess with your players. If they get all cocky and put death ward on themselves and jump off a cliff, <laughs> make them bounce 10 feet. And then you can take it back and say, just kidding. You'd get tons of laughs. Anyways, yeah, death ward, great spell to hopefully help your allies hang on for just long enough so that you can heal them back up, right? Other than that, though, I mean, divination can bring some nice utility. Freedom of movement is good to have when you really need it. Banishment is fantastic. Single target control, especially if you're enemies from another plane of existence. But yeah, I'm just going to say PYF here. Pick your favorites. So for our level nine healing report, the big bumps to our healing sense last check have come from that chalice form bonus as well as just gaining more levels and thus more and better spell slots right really important on this character to like stick in our multi-classing with full casters at least until later maybe so that those spell slots can continue to scale right our proficiency bonus increasing is helpful for us anyways if you add it all together including self-healing and channel divinity and healers kits and three uses of aura of vitality we end up with 1000 151 total potential healing at this level. And that's so overkill, right? Maybe this build is designed for those hardcore tables who actually have like six to eight encounters per long rest. Even then, I think we're gonna be golden. At level 10, we would be a cleric eight, and that means we get another ability score increase or feat. And I think we have got to take my favorite support feat of all time, Chef. It bumps our wisdom so that we're finally at an 18, which is especially important now that our wisdom modifier benefits both the healing spell itself, usually, and our chalice form, right? But yeah, Chef is great. It lets you make some delicious food during a short rest so that your friends can all regain extra hit points. Again, hard to imagine them needing any, but hey, just in case. And then, of course, after a long rest, it lets you make treats which last eight hours can be eaten as a bonus action and gives temporary hit points equal to our proficiency bonus. It's nothing huge, but sure, I mean, make them some treats, have them eat them right away, and now we go into the fight just a little bit more buffed and a little bit less in need of healing as the fight goes on, right? We also at Cleric 8 get Blessed Strikes here, which basically tells us that we can add a D8 of radiant damage to either our weapon attacks or our cantrips. We're not building for damage here, but I'm sure you'll have plenty of times when no one really needs any healing, so sure, let fly with a Toll the Dead or a Shillelagh's Staff Attack and just 
do a little extra now. Finally, Destroy Undead at this level starts working on Undead of Challenge Rating 1 or lower. At level 11, we would be a Cleric 9, and that means we get 5th level Cleric spells, and this is fantastic, because it means as a Life Cleric, we get Mass Cure Wounds and Raise Dead for free. Raise Dead just lets you resurrect someone even after they've been gone for 10 days, meaning if you miss the 1 minute window that Revivify allows for, uh, hope is not lost. Mass Cure Wounds is better than Mass Healing Word in that it does D8s instead of D4s, but it's still probably something that I wouldn't really use if I had Channel Divinity available. Maybe if I were using Beacon of Hope for my concentration instead, it gets kind of like, oh, you know what, 3d8 per ally is now 24 damage per ally, plus the other bonuses we're adding. That's pretty good. Greater Restoration, however, feels kind of like a must-have spell for me, for any serious healer, as it can remove Charmed, Petrified, curses, restrictions to ability score or hit point maximums, exhaustion, and even like unique to campaign things that will often say this bad guy does X debuff to a creature and the only way to remove it is with greater restoration, etc. Right? It's just a really good spell to have on you. At level 12, we would be a cleric 10 and that means we get divine intervention and I kind of love and hate this ability. It essentially gives you about a 10% chance to get your deity to intervene on your behalf in a way that the DM decides. It can be really awesome and it rarely works. And if it does, you can't even try to use it again for seven days, and if it doesn't, you still have to wait until tomorrow to try again. Some of you have shared some really fantastic Divine Intervention stories in the comments. If you have one, but haven't shared it yet, please do so. I love reading them. At level 13, we would be a Cleric 11, and this is kind of a place that I really wanted to get to because it means 6th level spells, and 6th level Cleric spells are super amazing. Of course, there's Hero's Feast, such a great buff, especially when you know that a big fight is coming, right? Giving everyone a maximum hit point bump of 2d10, making them immune to poison and frightened, and lets them make wisdom saving throws with advantage, it all lasts for 24 hours, for sure, use it. But if we're talking straight healing, it's hard to get better than the heal spell, at least until ninth level spells, I guess. Heal just straight up heals 70 hit points. And while that might actually be fewer total hit points of healing compared to Aura of Vitality, for us as a life cleric anyways, it's all done with a single action. And sometimes you just need a big instantaneous heal, right? You can't wait several rounds for 2d6 plus bonuses. It also ends blindness, deafness, and diseases. Feels like a spell that this character should absolutely be packing if they had to choose just a single 6 level spell. For me, yeah, I think I take heal, maybe even over Hero's Feast. And yeah, of course, like all spells, it's way better for us since it adds 8 for Life Cleric and d8 plus 4 now from Star's Druid, so it's an 86 point heal over here, and it scales by 10 more for every level that you upcast it. Also, don't forget, Destroy Undead now works on Undead of Challenge Rating 2 or lower. Alright, for our level 13 healing report then. Since last check, we've added treats, a better wisdom modifier, more and better spell slots, more and better spells, best among them, heal. All told, spending all of our resources here, we would be able to heal for a slightly insane 1,478 hit points, assuming all of the assumptions that I've already made thus far. And yeah, I should mention, if you're having more combat encounters than three per day, no worries. Use those fourth and fifth level spell slots for Aura of Vitality over Cure Wounds, no question. 
question, right? In fact, it would heal for just a little bit more if you upcast it, right? One more per spell level, thanks to our Disciple of Life. At level 14, we would be a Cleric 12, meaning we get another ability score increase or feat so that we can finally cap that Wisdom modifier at 20 to make all of our healing and, I suppose, even damage and control and other cleric -y things that much better. At level 15, we would be a Cleric 13, and that means 7th level spells and just... Pick your favorites here. Want some pretty decent multi-target damage? Firestorm's good. Uh, check out uh, Triant Monk's recent video on it here. Conjure Celestial could be fun. Regenerate is probably the best heal spell here. Not only healing some hit points initially, but then regenerating one per round on your target for an hour. So with this spell on them, when they go down, you don't even need to worry about bouncing them back up. They'll do it themselves on their turn, right? I guess technically this could heal the most hit points for a seventh level spell slot since it could potentially do 10 hit points a minute for 60 minutes so 600 total hit points but i mean who's going to just be taking at least 10 damage every round for an hour straight nobody that's who i can only stretch the assumptions so far before everything starts to break people so yeah i'll just assume that when i crunch the numbers we're using that seventh level spell slot to upcast heal for 80 hit points plus bonuses right but at level 16 i mean we're not going to get a new spell slot for two more levels and with the buffs that we get from our chalice form our life cleric buffs and disciple of life more spell slots are going to give us more total healing potential than just about anything else and what is the one class that could give us more spell slots that are separate and distinct from the spell slots that we already have that's right, Warlock. You've been holding on to a 14 Charisma for 15 levels just so that you could take a lame Warlock dip right at the end? That's right. I'm not sorry. 8th level Cleric spells are lame. And bonus points if we can get even more healing options from that Warlock in addition to more spell slots, right? So yeah, I'm going to be a Warlock 1 here, and that means I get my otherworldly patron, my subclass, so that I can be a Celestial Warlock, which would give me the Healing Light feature. It gives us a number of D6s equal to 1 plus our Warlock level per day to spend on healing. It's not a crazy amount, but if you just need like a little baby heal, well, there you go. And we get Warlock spells here, and I mean, sure, you know, take Armor of Agathus if you want, but pick your favorite otherwise. The important thing here is that our Warlock spell slots are new, different spell slots that reset, by the way, on a short rest. One for now, but two next level. So yeah, at level 17, we'd be a Warlock 2. We now get two first level spell slots resetting on a short rest. And with all the buffs that we get to our healing spells, even a first level spell slot is not bad. Again, especially if you're getting lots of them now because they come back to us on a short rest, right? We also get Eldritch Invocations as Warlock 2, and that means we can get Eldritch Mind, which gives us advantage on our concentration checks. And here's a dirty little secret about this build that I have been hoping you wouldn't notice. <laughs> Our concentration check is not awesome. You totally should have taken Resilient Constitution a long time ago, or started at level 1 as probably a Divine Soul Sorcerer, right? I were playing this character in-game, I think I might have done that. Or, heck, even maybe consider starting as a Warlock, so that we can at least have advantage on those concentration checks throughout our character's career, right? Regardless, we're here now, make a different decision if you need to, but yeah. As for the other invocation that we get at this level, um, just PYF. Take something fun. And so, for our final healing report. 
Since last check, we have capped our wisdom, picked up a 7th level spell slot, and even two shiny brand new little 1st level spell slots that reset on a short rest, along with some happy little d6s for some bonus healing. Keeping with the same assumptions as before, blowing all resources on healing now over the course of a day, assuming two short rests, we would be looking at 1,860 hit points of healing. That's a lot. So, okay. Let's break it all down here in some final thoughts. I mean, nearly 2,000 hit points of damage healed over an adventuring day, that feels to me like overkill. But, I mean, maybe, probably even, based on the way I think most of us play. And sure, some of these abilities preserve life uh, in particular, which does account for a decent chunk of the total healing that we're doing, might not work when we need it to, right? Since it only heals up to half health or might not be needed, like the self-healing that we get after Cleric 6, or, you know, more rounds of Aura of Vitality when everyone is already at full health, etc. So, sure, maybe this is overkill. You're probably rarely going to heal 1,900 hit points of damage over the course of an adventuring day. But maybe not. It's gonna depend on your table. I mean, isn't it nice to know that, for most of us, if we want it, we likely could build to have more healing power than we'll probably ever need. And you know what I love maybe most about what we ended up with here? It's the sheer variety of options available to us for healing. We've got big massive burst heals and little baby top you off heals. We've got racial options, spell options, subclass options, feat options, stuff that resets on short rest, stuff that resets on a long rest, heals that consistently bring a nice bit of health over time, heals that are a one-time huge influx, and we have multiple options for healing both with our action and our bonus action. And in the end, all of that variety would, I think, really help keep stuff interesting for you as you tried to decide, like which heal to pull out for which character based on their health, based on what resources you still have available, how many enemies are still up. Now, sure, I could argue that playing a dedicated healer is less effective than using those spell slots to control or kill your enemies. But who am I to tell you how to play this game? Who are you to do so, commenter that has just made a comment talking about how full-time healers are doing it wrong? <laughs> I know those comments are happening. That's the beauty of D&D, right? There's not really a right way to do it. Or, I suppose, if there is, the right way is whatever is fun for you that doesn't diminish the fun of your fellow players. Why is it wrong to take three classes, racial choices, and feats to maximize your healing potential? If you think that healing your allies is fun, obvious answer, it's not. And I, for one, am thrilled to know that if someone out there wanted to go against the grain and spend most of their energy and resources keeping their allies alive, well, they probably could do a pretty fantastic job doing so. And honestly, I'm not sure I would have believed that to be possible. At least not possible outside of the cheater McCheater face Twilight Cleric. Until I crunched the numbers on this bill. But having done so, while I'm not sure that I would necessarily want to play this character in-game, maybe outside of a one-shot. My goodness, would I love it if you brought this character to my table. <laughs> so, I certainly hope that you get to try it out at yours sometime soon. But that's the build for the week. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun with this one. It's definitely different than my norm, and that's always great. But I hope you know how much I love you, because I do. Thank you so much for all that you do for me, for this channel. I hope you have a fantastic day and a really great week. And if you don't, please, don't give up. I hope that you will be kind and do good and stay safe and that I see you again really soon. But until then, take care. Bye.
stars in your multitudes scarce to be counted filling the darkness with order and light you are the sentinels silent and sure keeping watch in the night keeping watch in the night and if you fall as lucifer fell you fall in flame <laughs> and so it has been and so it's written on the doorway to paradise that those who falter and those who fall must pay the price. <laughs> I mostly wanted to sing that song because I know Dallin hates Les Mis and he's editing this video and he's a crazy person for feeling that way. Crazy person? You make fun of me for liking emo music in high school. What's more emo than Les Mis? It literally means you're miserable. <laughs> you keep your Javier, I'm keeping Chris Caraba. Okay, bye. Um, so I just wanted to bug him a little bit, but then I realized that that is the perfect song for this build. Stars, it's all about like being self-righteous. <laughs> and yeah, it's like, maybe I should rename uh, the build to the Javier. <laughs> probably too obscure a reference, right? All right. I'm always complaining in the outtakes about my loud neighbors. <laughs> They're probably like, what the crap is that YouTube nerd doing in his office? I'm trying to make this phone call. Oh yeah. Check out uh, Owlbear Ridge. This is um, this is this is the my favorite of the obvious mimic tees. And I think I just like it so much because it's so like subtle. It's almost like if I saw somebody else wearing this t-shirt, I might be like, Owlbear Ridge, I remember that place. Wait, do I? <laughs> it looks like a t-shirt, like a real place. A bed and breakfast um, with mountain views, fresh eggs, and wild game. Yeah, totally somewhere. There's probably a place somewhere in the Rockies that's called Owlbear Ridge, I bet you. Maybe just Bear Ridge or Owl Ridge. I think we are ready to go. Mm. Okay, so... Um, lost my train of thought. <clears throat> Colby Solo. <laughs> oh, there's so many jokes I could make that I just can't make. I feel like I got puffy eyes today. That's because I'm so tired. No more Baldur's Gate 3 late nights. <laughs> oh, who am I kidding? There's going to be plenty more Baldur's Gate 3 late nights. Hmm. Mm. I feel a lot more nitpicky than I used to about stuff like this. <laughs> Oops. Hmm. Say. Oh, dang it, that stupid bounce made me lose my mojo. Made me lose my groove. I'm sorry, you've thrown off the Emperor's groove. Oh. I feel a lot more nitpicky about that. <laughs> no, I can't even do it. Healer feet lets you... <laughs> but yeah, ch ch I almost said chef. Chalice, chef. <laughs> Come on, coming down the home stretch, Kolb. You can do it. Come on, tongue. Maybe I just need a drink. Maybe outside of the cheater, cheater face. <laughs> Can't say that with a straight face.